Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. I am excited by conscious science supporting spirituality. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And this episode is come off uh, another fantastic email from a listener through our Facebook. Please direct message us on Facebook if you have interesting questions. We love them. And she wrote a quite a long email, which I'm not going to recap or I'm not going to read out other to just recap her main points, which is that she, like I know a lot of you listening, has been raised in quite Christian or Catholic or just religious household, um, as a lot of us have been. She's broken free, as a lot of us have done, um, quested her own ideas, challenged the things that she's always heard, and come more into a spiritual way of thinking about life. But with that for her comes so many questions because she's still obviously surrounded by many of those voices of reason, voices of science, or voices of religion in her life. You know, often it's from your own husband or, you know, your brothers and sisters, your parents, you know, your, your colleagues, your co-workers, who, who are you know, often rightfully so, a little bit dubious when they see a friend suddenly getting into all this new age stuff. So today we're going to be looking at a few things. We're going to be looking at how do you integrate your Catholic or Christian or religious, early religious beliefs with this really out there new cosmic way of thinking? How do you, what do you say when you come up against a scientific skeptic atheist like my father? (laughs) And also, um, I suppose Jane and I are going to share a little bit of how we integrate our beliefs, what we've done in those sorts of scenarios, and how we view and where we view science and spirituality intersecting in the coming future, as it already has started to happen, Jane. It's happening. It's happening now, which I'm so excited about. Okay, so I've grown up um, with a father and brother that are both scientists, and so science is law to them. And if you can't prove it with science, then it doesn't exist. So therefore, every single thing that I feel and believe and my faith, it just is a whole pile of rubbish. Now, having said that, I want to be fair and say both of my dad and my beautiful brother, they've both been very kind in that they're not rude to me. They just don't get me. So they're very supportive. They're very, they're not, you know, dismissive of what I say or believe, but they don't get it. We talk two totally different languages. So from a very early stage, I became obsessed with finding science that supported my beliefs. So I would get really excited with movies like What the Bleak Do We Know, uh, Down the Rabbit Hole, The Voice, you know, those documentaries that have a whole different range of genres of different speakers that are talking about conscious awareness or they're talking about manifesting or they're talking about vibration. And so to this day, I still get excited when I stumble across, you know, one of those documentary shows that you think, oh, my God, they're talking about this, this and this. There's more science that's proving what I believe. Yeah. So for me... I get really excited by science catching up do you to tr- spirituality. Do you trot it out to your dad and your brother? Or Every not? single time, <laughs> without they, a doubt. How do they respond? They're really good. You know, that no, that this is the thing. Now, my dad said something amazing to me once. I want to remember this. Science will say, why not? And he uses the term religion because he was brought up Catholic. But spirituality will say, no, science will say, why 
and spirituality will say, why not? Oh, that's awesome. And he said they're actually doing the same thing. They're just coming from different angles. So he truly believes that that is the marriage, is that it's just a different way of questioning and proving. Yeah. Because the definition of a true, like the true original definitions of science, scientist or skeptic, are really somebody who's very open in questioning the universe and the environment and the senses that they've been given. And they're trying to understand what lies beyond or what is unknown. And the problem is that for some reason it's been hijacked in our society by these really extremist, rigid, often conservative viewpoints, which take these and wear them like labels of right and wrong. Yeah. And, and that sort of thing that starts to happen where, you know, and, it's almost like institutionalized. Yes, that's right. And I know that you guys listening to this know a lot of this sort of stuff, but you know when they say, oh, this has also just been disproven, but that whole your brain, only 10% of your brain we use or only parts of our brain. Basically what I'm saying is we still do not fully understand the brain. And, you know, me, as even as a young child, I always was acutely aware that science, we're still extremely rudimentary and elementary in our science. You know, we are absolutely preposterously... Um, arrogant if we think and ignorant, dangerously ignorant if we think that we're just running the show and we've got it all figured out. You know, and I know we've got impressive, shiny looking machines that go bing and amazing things that we can do. And everyone loves the, the things that science has brought us. I'm not getting up to wash my clothes in a river with a bloody <laughs> piece of soap and a wooden washboard. No, I'm pressing a button and walking away. Oh. Thanks, Newton. Thanks, White Goods stores. Like, thank you. Like, whatever. You know, thank you, open heart surgery. Thank God we've got you. Like, all of those kind of things. Wrecker's going on tangents of losing a train of thought here. Um, the point is we must never forget what a tiny speck we are in the universe and how little we know. And we must never forget that everything we can experience as human beings on planet Earth in the third dimension can only come through five physical senses. And as long as we are, well, we know that there's six, Jane, but most people aren't exercising the sixth. Mm -hmm. So as long as you are imprisoned by those five senses, you can't observe or know or feel or experience the things that lie outside that. And there are universes of stuff, dimensions, energy vibrations of stuff outside of what we are able to transmit and receive as human bodies you know there's there's colors that we've never seen that we couldn't name there's sound wave vibrations that we just you know there's dimensions that where where people are musical notes they we'll call them people but do you know what i mean there's there's dimensions you go into where people are uh, souls are thoughts or, or or colors or harmonies you know we can't because begin. we can't see it yeah. doesn't mean it doesn't exist and everyone knows that but we all forget like the problem with Western society is we don't seem to operate on that premise. It's I'll see it when I believe it. And it's interesting that uh, I think it's on Sorry, the documentary. Sorry, I said that wrong. I'll believe it when, when I, I see it. it. That's yes, what I yes, yes, yes. I think there's. I think it's the documentary called The Voice, which I must rewatch again because I watched it many years ago and it was very heavy. So this was quantum physics and it was awesome and spirituality and all sorts of different interesting things. In there was a guy that was speaking, uh, I think he was a professor of conscious school of thought at one of the main universities in the US, and he said what they have allegedly proven, how much, if you've got the Empire State Building, how much do you believe that we actually see versus what doesn't exist, that they know does exist? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. 
And people would say, oh, I reckon it would be, you know, three floors up that we see and then the rest of it you don't see. One grain of sand at the base of the Empire State Building. I love analogies like that. This is the kind of stuff that I get and I throw around with my beautiful science family. Um, But really, what are we really doing with all of this is, as you were saying, is opening the minds, opening them to the possibility. And true scientists are incredibly open. They often want their experiments to fail. They want them, you know, they, they want, it's going to lead them down different rabbit warrants. They expect a particular result. And when they get a different result, they can't question that because they've done it. Yeah. So then they have to go down that rabbit hole and see what comes out from that. Yeah. And that's where some of the best inventions have come from, which are amazing. But it is a really hard battle to have the conversations when people write you off as airy fairy and that you're just a believer, that they don't realize that I've gathered my own evidence very consciously. I've been a scientist without a doubt. I'm the daughter of a scientist and I've been a scientist to gather my evidence that spirituality exists. So this is the objective versus subjective problem because science, it has to be objective. Everyone has to be able to stand around and say it. But the problem with all the realms of consciousness, spirituality, emotions, and all of that stuff you can't put under a microscope and look at is that it's all subjective and it means you have to experience it to understand it and no one can tell it to you. You can't read it in a book. You can't. It just That's that's right. not how you get the deeper levels of wisdom. That's not how it operates. I've got so much to say I don't know where to begin. First I want to go back when Jane gave that awesome visual story about the skyscraper. Yes. I've just been reading Russell Brand's book Revolution, which I do recommend for all of you consciousness hunters to put on your to read list um he also interviews a a quantum physicist in there and this is the cool thing is that you know a lot of these really out there quantum mechanics guys um not not a lot of them there is a small niche section of some of them who are trying to interpret their findings through a spiritual you know paradigm right so we've got people like who i think he was in was it what the bleep, Dr. Fred Allen Wolf, who's like one of those really spiritual yes. quantum physicists. There's another dude in Russell Brand's book, which I, I can't remember his name, but he says some really eloquent stuff as well. And one of the analogies he gives Russell, he says, Russell, let's picture it this way. Just imagine the Milky Way is the size of Europe. Well, our little solar system is in a teacup in Belgium somewhere. We're not that special, people. Like, there's there's a lot out there, and that's just the Milky Way. The Milky Way is a very, very small neighbourhood in space. You know, that's very cool, there's isn't endless it? galaxies and dimensions and portals. And do you know that's one thing I've never been able to go down that path of the multiverse. Of, yeah, I can't. I I just do not allow my mind to go there because it's, I think I would it end blows up. In a, it. Nutcase, I think I'd end up. You it does sh- You're actually short circuit, and I remember being a kid trying to get the concept of oh, the end, infinity, infinity. Yeah, in my head. Yes, you just it, it doesn't. Which is which is, and does this not humble you? Are we not humbled right now? I just think the minute we start to get into arrogance and ignorance with, oh, well, we know this and that's not true because we've never seen that before and it's not observable. And, you know, I've had huge fights with idiots who say all the usual, they trot out all the usual stuff. Oh, tell me my grandmother's name then. Oh, who's going to win the Melbourne Cup, you know? All oh, this, I know. This kind of stuff which they do not understand. When Jane said before she and her father are speaking different languages, when you are on a really spiritual vibration, Talk about talking different languages. I actually believe we actually shift up or down a few quarter tones of frequency and you're actually in slightly different dimensions to people. I know that we're all on Earth together at the same time, but when people talk about the fifth dimension happening and stuff, what I interpret that to mean is we are here in the third dimension in on this plane of consciousness on Earth, 
But those who are doing the work and really coming into enlightenment are actually shifting up a few, a slight dimension and it's overlaying and we're all here together, but we're not quite here together. And that's why you can talk until you are blue in the face to somebody that doesn't get this stuff and they'll never hear you because you're actually not even in the same dimension as them. They're not ready for it yet. It's like trying to take a kid out of reception class, sit down this five-year-old child and earnestly get them to understand calculus as hard as you can. One of the things that I also recently had a conversation with my father was about our four bodies that we've talked about, the IQ, EQ, SQ and BQ, and how some people will be at kindergarten and some people will be masters of and some will be at high school, some will be at uni, whatever. And so that's where I would say, you know, I get that some people don't have any spiritual body at all, any beliefs at all. Mine, I'm at master level. Well, that sounds arrogant, but I'm I'm highly attuned and I've learnt a lot and studied a lot in that area. But you know what? In another area, I'm in kindergarten. So that takes the judgment away and better than and less than. But it is another way of trying to articulate the differences of the intelligences Mm. and the ways that we run our life. But I also want to encourage people, you choose your battles. Choose who you are going to spend your beautiful, precious, valuable time and your gorgeous wisdom and love and kindness and wisdom. Who do you want to share this with? Are you going to share it with some drunk at a party that just throws some throwaway line at you to put you down because he thinks you're a Fruit Loop? Or is it going to be somebody that actually says, look, I just don't get you. I want to get you, but I just don't get you. That's right. There's They're of, the ones you sit with and, and try. Yeah, there's a lot of genuinely just kind of open-minded people drifting about that, you know, if they knew better, would do better. Like they just, they're just waiting for the information to drop in their laps and they'd probably be like, can't argue with that. That, that resonates with me, you know. It's, and it's exciting when you meet somebody and you've got, you're not really sure what their story is. And then you drop a few key words and they pick up on it. And suddenly you're in this really rich, deep, yeah. conscious conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's really exciting. It's that hundredth monkey syndrome, which they talk about, you know, on monkeys on the island, coconuts. I forget the story, but basically once you've reached tipping point, mass, con- whatever, I'm really seeing that now that the, you know, I can just remember being in the corporate sector not that long ago and even yoga was still like this weird thing. And now whole yoga, uh, sorry, whole corporate, you know, officers get taken off for yoga retreats and stuff. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to illustrate there is just the quantum leap of the openness towards well-being, body and soul and spirituality type topics, which boomed, blossomed in the last 10, 15 years. Now, with any kind of revolution, always comes a kickback. So what's going on at the moment is it's the old-fashioned witch-burning days and the old scapegoat and the old inquisition, basically. So we have got coming out harder than ever the dissenters, the scientific skeptics, the hardliners, the people that are determined more than ever to shoot us down and make us seem pathologically idiot-like, you know, dangerous these to society. are not scientists. Well, these people, can I just say that there was actually a talk that was pulled from TED.com because it was deemed a little bit too fluffy, science, too, a bit too spiritual for, for the young. Are um, you serious? It was. From, I'm, so isn't no, that disappointing? I'm so disappointed and in that. And that's what I'm talking about is that even where we have these mainstream dialogues going on with everyone in the world joining in, there's still people who are editing and censoring what they deem to be, it's, it's push somebody's buttons. They don't like it. They don't feel comfortable. They're unsure what other people are going to think, and they've pulled that information out. Well, I'm also aware that, you know, I follow a lot of different little blogs that are really edgy science, and there's some really cool, like, Facebook pages you can follow, such as, like, Spirit Science is a really good one 
where they put well-researched documents up and I've seen them pull one down or do an, do a, um, a follow-up where they'll say, actually, we further researched this and this one actually isn't matching up with what we thought. So they've got a really great integrity in their page. So I encourage you to check mm-hmm. that out. But the problem is that science is to get it out to the mainstream when there have been breakthroughs, it's going to take another 20 years because of who controls our media, etc. What is in children's textbooks at school is pretty much scientific information from 10, 20, 30 years ago. Oh, I think they're still using the same books it, I probably did. So you're looking at more 40 years so ago. so long for this kind of information to trickle down from the powers that be down to real-world well, accessibility. Like, let's look at a, a lovely scientific discovery, a medical discovery, HSP, the highly sensitive person, that trait. Now, Dr. Elaine Aaron only did her PhD on that back in 1996, I think it was. I should know that off by heart, but anyway, it's not long ago. Like we're talking less than 20 years ago. So when I speak to this to social workers, psychologists, doctors, teachers, you know, people that this is really valuable information for them to know about for their clientele, for their tribes, they don't know about it. Nobody knows about it. It's going to take another 50 years before it becomes mainstream for people to know. So this is one of the problems is that there is so much science out there that has um, proven and supported spirituality, the law of attraction, the law of vibration. There is the science that supports that there is nothing but vibration. And, look, there's also people out there who are doing their best to try and get some science to prove some of this stuff because, look, Rebecca Detman, me personally, I don't care. I don't need science to prove it. I've been on that journey. I'll talk about that in a minute. But there's this like awesome dude, if you haven't heard of him here in Australia, Joe Cross. He's got one of those crowdfunding campaigns going at the moment, which you're more than welcome to Google him and find. He needs about a million dollars to get a scientifically proper research journal, whatever, study done to prove that there's a link between obesity or eating problems, uh, overweightness, etc., with emotions. Like, so Jane and I just usually like, that's the most basic thing. Doesn't everyone in the world know that? Well, science doesn't apparently, hasn't figured that out yet, that you can count calories and diet for the rest of your life, but until you remove your emotional blocks, ain't nothing going to shift off your ass, sister. <laughs> but I think when it comes to education and proof, there's a fine line because, okay, the first thing that you want to do when you start getting spiritual and you've learned three things and you've been to a workshop is you want to run out and heal all your friends and family. Yes, that's true. Yes. Don't fall into that trap. Never, ever do it. Just be who you are. If you want to change the world, just be who you are. You don't rush out and impose. This is like the door knocking, God bless them, I'm not going to name them. But you don't have to go out and shove it down people's throats. You just lead by example. You want everyone to think spirituality is amazing, then talk, be, act, breathe, and meditate and be spiritual because they'll see how happy and beautiful and fulfilled your life starts to become and they'll ask you, what are you doing? How did that happen? That's how you do it. The whole needing to prove thing. Now, as someone who has been a very uncomfortable psychic for 10 years... (laughs) She was actually a closet psychic until for, recently. For many of those years, that's been my biggest challenge is one of my biggest learning curves came very early in the game when, and I'm just going to say it, Hamish and Andy, who if you're in Australia, you know, had a massive drive time show here for five years and were on television, like this big comedic duo, big ratings show. My girlfriend was their assistant producer. She rings me up out of the blue on a Tuesday afternoon and says, Rebecca, we're doing a show this week with the boys where 
we're bringing in psychics because Hamish has been to a psychic fair and had his aura done and Andy thinks it's absolute bullshit and they're going to talk about it on air and we thought we'd get some psychics in to see if we can prove or disprove if it's real or not. I should have had the red flag right there. But this was early. This was very early in my career. And so do you know what happens? Straight away the ego comes in and Rebecca's ego goes, Hamish and Andy, Rebecca on the radio, oh, my God, I'm going to get famous. So I say yes. I say yes, I'll spend my own money to fly to Melbourne to appear on Osterio. Yes, I'll do that in the middle of my week, which I'm going to interrupt with this great privilege you've bestowed upon me, golden bloody cup of chalices, whatever. <laughs> and so insecure, ego-driven Rebecca gets her best outfit on, puts her best hair and makeup on because she's meeting Hamish and Andy, and then gets in the plane gets delayed with rain, gets stuck in traffic, is so nervous the sweat is running down the insides of my clothes, busting for the toilet, get to Osterio, hands are shaking, mouth is dry, go to the toilets, try and compose myself, go out, meet the boys, they were lovely, meet the producer, he was lovely, meet my girlfriend, she, you know, everything was like, okay, we've just had the dodgiest woman on she was a psychic and she was just crazy and she, we think she was drunk because she burped in the middle of what she was trying to channel for us and I'm thinking oh, that should have been another red flag straight away oh, they're not dear. really respecting this this no. is something that's being done no. for entertainment and yes. humor yes I didn't thank God angels thank God thank God angels angels did not do it live they pre-recorded me or post-recorded it was actually after the show late at night before they went home they said let's just do it and being a less experienced psychic at the time, by which I mean, well, I probably wasn't as good then as I am now. And also I didn't have the media stuff down. Like now I can channel on air in 40 seconds because I've done a lot of it. Back then I was a bit sloppier and, and I went on and on for like over half an hour. And the, the problem that, it's not the problem, the differentiation that I have since learned is there are psychics out there who are frigging brilliant when it comes to names, dates, latitudes, longitudes. You want to murder self, you go to those people. You want to pinpoint something in time, energy, and space. They're often not very spiritual, but they're very psychic. They can just pick names and stuff out of the air. I'm, I've never really been one of those psychics. I'm an emotional counsellor. I'm an intuitive yes. counsellor. I work yes. with feelings, consciousness, emotional blocks, stories. And so when you've got me sitting there trying to prove, oh, who was Andy's best friend in kindergarten or, you know, what did what colour is Hamish thinking of? It's like, dudes, do you know what? I'm not really advertising my craft in a respectful way. It's, yeah. But I didn't have the, the courage or the personal power at that point to articulate it. I left and I felt sick. And all that night, I stayed in a hotel room they put me up in. It was hot. I couldn't get the window open. I was miserable. I couldn't sleep. I felt panicky. I was nervous. I was really, really, really worried about it. And do you know what? Thank God I actually didn't tell anyone that I'd done that. I didn't. I don't know how I restrained myself, but I didn't tell a soul that I'd gone. And I'm so glad because when I got back to Adelaide, I got a phone call from the slightly embarrassed, very apologetic producer who said, I'm really sorry, but we, we couldn't really cut it up and use it, so we're not going to run what you did. Even though you came all that way, we're really thankful, but thanks, but no thanks. And it was a burn. It was a kick in the gut. All of my rejection stuff came out. But, of course, I look back now and I'm like, okay, that was a huge lesson. Yeah. And I was very lucky. I was not publicly embarrassed in front of all of Australia. The lesson I got was, Rebecca, you never have to prove what you do. Never. You never have to be in that position again. I don't give a shit now if somebody doesn't believe in what I do. I'm not here to prove it to you. I'm just doing my job. There's people out there who want to have what I've got to offer, and I just leave it at that. And that was the lesson that I got. And you know what? In a little footnote, 
it was actually the next week because the life I used to lead back then, I was a journalist at the time and I got flown to Sydney for Fashion Week and what do you know, Hamish and Andy are in the front row, the lights go up, the models go out, Andy, the sceptic, the scientific one, came over to me. He recognised me and he said he was really warm and he said, thank you so much, I really appreciated the other day. You were really great. You were lovely. You were great. And Beautiful. So you see, that's where you don't know. But you don't know the after effect. We have to have faith that there are no mistakes. We don't know if that's actually led to him being more open about all sorts of things in life. It could have changed his world. And now I, I haven't listened to them for a while, but maybe he's a big believer and he has psychics on every week on his show now. <laughs> he doesn't, but I know what you're saying, Jan. The ripple effects, we can never actually know No, uh, what our words or deeds or actions have done and how they spread. And, often, and nor should we need to, really. We don't you know, it's actually none to. of our business. The person to what sometimes you've had the biggest fight with is the one person you actually planted the seed in, and you must trust that, you know? Mm. Now, we still need to – I don't. can we maybe go a little bit over time, Jane? Because I still want to address – what happens if you've been raised in a Catholic or Christian household and how you integrate that with spirituality? Because we've done science for 20 minutes, but I think we need to talk about how religion integrates with just out there, choose your own belief type spirituality. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think for me, the hardest thing for me was that I felt that for me personally, I loved going to the Sunday church services, really enjoyed it, but it kind of got to a point where I wasn't enjoying the sermons very much. I felt like I had much deeper, richer feelings and emotions and thought process and wisdom on the interpretation of the book. And so I also felt that I didn't need any longer to wait for a Sunday to be connected with whether it was God or Jesus through the Catholic method or whether I wanted to check in with whoever. I mean, I still have God as one of my my tribe. I have Jesus as one of the ascending masters amongst many, many others. So I didn't shut my door on the Catholic Church. I just chose to make the Catholic Church a part of what I do in my own home. So I've got my own altar. I've got my own charged up area where I feel comfortable. So it is possible to integrate. It is. But it's also interesting that if you really, again, research some of the people at the highest levels are amazingly spiritual. And I think I shared a few weeks ago on the Haunted House episode where I had the Catholic priest and a rabbi that were both willing to help me to clear something negative that was in my home. So if you really get to the one-on-ones, you'll find they are richly spiritual and there actually isn't too much conflict. There's the grooviest, um, what is he, vicar, pastor, reverend, I don't know what he is. He's down at the local Anglican church that I always go to at Christmas Eve. He's so cool. You should hear his sermons. He drops words like universe, paganism, cosmos. Like, and I'm thinking, what are you reading in your spare time? You are so not an old school like vicar. Yeah, but, like, but they are. That that is a lot of that is covered off. I believe at theology school. I do believe that that's all in there because I've not had a conversation with any priest or leader of a denomination that isn't completely open. I mean, I think that's all by one of the Christian faith, and I don't want to name it because I'm not 100% sure, believe in angels. You go there, they've got all their angels all through their churches. They they do believe in so much. It's it, I haven't had any conflict there. No, but of course, as we all know, the problem is that religion and spirituality over the millennia have been packaged up, homogenized, put into hierarchies, political affiliations, money and power, in a patriarchal system, and we all know this, everyone knows this, 
And that's, which is why I'm saying if you get to the individual, that's the break irrelevant, you know, that the, 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 the money, the business, the business is irrelevant when you're communicating with an individual well, on the belief. It intention, doesn't it? Because it's, it doesn't matter. If you have a beautiful traditional Russian Orthodox church that you always go to at Easter, go, because it's the intention that you're holding. It doesn't really have to – you can be in a traditional place of worship. You can have Buddha and, you know, Jesus and, you know, the, you know, goddess Tara from the Tibetan, you know, lined up on your desk you can have all of it there and and have due reverence and respect and appreciation for all of it it's just about the intention and the fact that you know it kind of comes down to that really big confronting statement that you are god we are all god and god is inside us and that's a statement that makes a lot of people feel extremely uncomfortable and is very much against sort of what they've traditionally been taught that there is a hierarchy both angelic and down right. on earth. Yes, exactly. Okay? And yeah. you don't mix yeah. or blur those boundaries and you know your place. But I'm saying the little peasant woman in the Sicilian village, she's God, and I'm saying that the homeless person outside my Coles supermarket, he's God, and that, you know, you know, I'm sorry, this is going to be extremely confronting for a lot of people, but Adolf Hitler also had God inside him because we're all made of the same energy, stardust and consciousness. And then what we go and do with it is, you know, a whole other podcast show. But we're all made and we're all vibrating on this oneness spectrum. We are all each other. And there's no difference between me and the kitchen countertop and the planet Jupiter. And, and it's, it's just all the same stuff at some deeper, deeper level of white light. And if we can get past all those human-imposed egos, barriers, beliefs, fears, etc., we're all actually talking about the exact same thing, whether it's a, a Sikh Indian or whether it's a you know, Mandarin Buddhist Chinese person or, or, you know, we're all actually, I believe, you know, even science and music and mathematics, they're all just codes to read the universe. Astrology, numerology, they're all different ways to read and interpret the data and the information that's streaming through the matrix that we're all experiencing through our own different filters. But at the end of the day, we're all exactly the same, right, Jane? Gosh, you did that well. Very well. One of the things that I do find hard, though, was, for example, going to a Catholic church and if you're not confirmed, you can't take Holy Communion. Now, I think anybody should be able to take Holy Communion. If you've come into this beautiful place of worship and you've being guided by the powers that be that are giving the sermon and the ceremony. Why can't you be a part of that? Why can gay people not take Holy Communion? Why Why can't women be priests? That's what I was about you know? to say. You know? And that's what made me turn against it was that I saw that it was exclusive. And I thought, no, I want inclusive. And But then, you know, you can have the same thing. You might go to a particular Buddhist temple in Thailand and get embarrassed because you've walked in and not realised you've got to take your shoes off. You know, there is rituals that are to exclude people. And I think it's more about the, the way of the ceremonies that are almost designed to intimidate rather than include and make people feel good. You know, you go to a church of a different denomination and uh, or you go to a wedding service and they're reading or singing a particular hymn and you don't know the words and you feel embarrassed and you don't know when to stand up and sit down and kneel and, and say amen and you get it wrong. There should be none of this. It's a VIP this club, is what isn't bothers it? me. Yeah. But if we can, so, so I think that is where it is difficult with those rituals that then are in conflict with the freedom of an all-inclusive universal spirituality. Mm. So, I guess what we need to look at is how can we help people that are having troubles with turning either turning their backs on their family rituals and celebrations through their church but wanting to still be connected and a part of it 
how to integrate the two together. Yeah. And I feel it is recognizing that there's what is that religion actually about versus the window dressing that goes around mm. it. So if you can get away, get, get around, just forget the window dressing, mm. forget the ceremony, forget all of that, and don't let it press triggers in you, mm. but look at what the teachings are. And the teachings of every holy book is all teaching the same stuff. That's right, and we know this. And that's what's so beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. and that is in perfect alignment with everything I believe, which is why when I feel that I talk about spirituality, it is inclusive mm. of every denomination. And it's not to design to be segregating or causing fear within you that, you know, somebody has been raised for 40 years as a, uh, a Lutheran and suddenly they're exploring spirituality and they feel it's not compatible. It is compatible. And that's why we want to look for the reasons for the compatibility and not the reasons for the segregation. Right. And so then another problem that people start to stumble into is if they have had a quite traditional religious upbringing what starts to happen when they let that go and then come into spirituality for lack of a better word because spirituality is a very very open sort of a choose your own adventure type concept where you sort of pick and mix and match like a bowerbird, like your own little nest of um, things that you've collected. Okay, well, I like that Buddhist mantra and I go to my Ashtanga yoga, um, but I also do, you know, I've got a copy of the Bible in my room and I pray to the angels. I've got my angel cards, um, you know, but I've also gone on, you know, like a whatever, you know, retreat with, you know, like all these different. Like, it's a gorgeous mismatch, isn't it? I love it. It's just so fantastic how we, how I mean, I think it's fantastic. I think it freaks some people out. That's the problem. So, you know, like this lovely girl that emailed us that I referenced her at the start of today's episode, you know, she was saying as part of her email, what do you do when you've been taught as a child and by mum and by the church, oh, don't go dabbling with witchcraft or, you know, oh, demons and ex- exorcisms and oh, don't go talking to ghosts or dabbling. in It's this whole idea in the dark side, which religion's got a bit of a you know, traditional sort of a us and them kind of a fear line down the middle, you know, angel versus the devil type thing going on. And, oh, don't mix with that. That's scary and unknown. I particularly wanted to comment on it, though, because she she's had ideas put in her head about witchcraft and wicca, which is common. I mean, what, do you want to say anything on that just to start with, Jane, about? Look, I remember when I first started playing with angel cards many, many years ago and uh, a friend at the time, was uh practicing Lutheran and she was horrified and I started um you know having conversations with her where she was saying I've moved into the dark side and that could I go and talk with her priest or I'm not sure what the leadership term is within the Lutheran church but their senior representative and it does bring up a lot of fear and so I would say but what is your fear you know what's going to happen to me oh you're going to get possessed you're going to lose your own you're going to lose your own mind, all of this sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, who's losing their mind here? Uh, me or the person that's actually talking this stuff? Who, who's got a control on their mind mm, here and exploring mm. the mind? Um, and it was awkward. And I found that I actually did get a bit rebellious and I did get a bit Jane style, a bit of an activist and started stirring the pot a bit, which I don't advise people to do. But it was a stage that I went through to get to the harmonious and peaceful place I'm at now. I don't really know what advice I've got to try and get through that because I didn't do it very graciously. So I could say, don't do what I do. I did. (laughs) Um, But what you can do is research, is start researching. You know, ignorance is from fear of stories being told that you've not bothered to actually research yourself. So really look at 
where is this coming from? But you know, but the, but the whole witchcraft thing, mm, paganism. Oh, bet over to you. <laughs> I was just going to say on that woman who had so much fear. So the minute I hear her saying that, immediately I'm asking, where's that belief come from? Who taught you that belief? Does that come from your mum? Does that come from your priest? Like, it's not. How can she? It's has she actually been out and seen regular people in suburbia regularly being possessed by the devil? No. It's been put into her from somewhere. That, oh, that the idea. movie's The Omen. Well, maybe it's <laughs> Omen 1, 2, and 3 maybe, back in the 70s. Maybe it's Hollywood's fault. Yeah. Or no. The Exorcist. Yeah, that's right. It probably is Hollywood's fault. Absolutely. But I also mm. think that these people would be having a cellular memory of past lives without a doubt. When yeah. they watch those movies, it resonates with some truth because, as we know, there is the dark side. Yeah. It does all exist. Yeah. She's quite right. That you do open up a can of worms. Absolutely. But yeah. I wanted to go down that rabbit hole and I wanted to open the worms up and see what's out there and learn what I can. Now, Hollywood has done us many great services and disservices, and one of the disservices Hollywood has done in the name of witchcraft is to make movies like Char- like, what was it with the three girls in it in the 90s? I can't even think. You know. Oh. Charmed? Charmed? That, yes, like, Charmed one of those. Was, Charmed was, was one, the but there was. Of that. But anyway, it's movies where witchcraft is made to look satanic, you know, just evil and dangerous. Mm. And anyone who subscribes to that has simply just not done five minutes of internet research because witchcraft is one of the oldest religions in the entire world and it's it's from pagan origins. And all it is, dudes, is nature worship. So if you lived in a world where suns and moons rose and fell and there were stars that you navigated by and plants that you picked and ate and made herbal tonics out of and there wasn't much else going around except for some hallucinogenic mushrooms and, you know, some wise people that channeled occasionally and that was your whole life, your religion was Mother Earth and that's all it is. And so, and witchcraft and casting of spells is absolutely no different to what Beck and I do with this podcast it's every pu- single it's time. Pushing energy it's what around. is your intent? Yeah, it's about what intention. Is it? And and you know whether it's burning incense, lighting candles and essential oils, going into meditation, uh, playing some sort of beautiful music, it all is the same thing. Writing your affirmations, um having positive self-talk. What is it? It's all focusing on your intent yeah. of what it is. So to anybody that's doing affirmations, well, you're casting a spell. You are. For anybody that's doing positive self-talk to shut down negative voices, you're casting a spell. Mm-hmm. Every time you burn some sort of essential oil because breathing that in is going to make you feel better, you've just cast a spell. Welcome to be witches. Welcome to our tribe. You two are witches. You know, we've got really cool people <laughs> like Fiona Horn from the band Death Effects and um, – Stacey DeMarco in Sydney, you know, who are white witches who have been for two, three decades now been trying to re-educate. Through, very brave women. Through, the, through very brave. the media, yeah, just basically what it means to live the way of the witch. Now, that is because if you take on witchcraft as a – and it is a real religion. Like I put on the census form when it comes around every however many years and it says, what religion are you? I write pagan because I genuinely am, because I genuinely follow the eight slices of the year, the solstices, the equinoxes and the various things that go on there. And these women do too. The witchcraft does as well. Witchcraft is slightly different to, to pure paganism. Witchcraft does get into a lot of ritualistic stuff. There are particular incantations, meaning there are words with power attached to them that you can recite. You can set up altars. You can certainly use things like pentagrams, mandalas. Um, the um, I've forgotten the name of it, but the beautiful um, they've got ceremonial daggers that they use. But these are all rooted yeah, in book of shadows, thousands and, of hmm. years of history. In the same way that the, you go into any church and they've got all kinds of weird and interesting brass polished things up on the altar with all different names and of all the bits and pieces that they have that they use ritualistically, you know. Um and so 
the the witchcraft thing, oh, I think it's just kind of a beautiful and interesting thing, which a niche of the population is always going to be into. We Look, back in the 20s and 30s, we had people like Alastair Crowley who got into it and made it all a little bit too dark and demonic for the average taste because he kind of took his own spin with it. And you're always going to get people like that. But religion's got that too. Look at the it's bloody West, Westborough Church over in, you know, Fred Nile and people like that who just get really, really take a good thing and just make it yuck. You know, there's always going to be that, isn't there? But I just want to say for anyone who's a bit unsure or scared about what witchcraft is, just do your bloody homework. It's just a bunch of really sweet people who strew flowers around and put bloody rose quartz in the bath and just sage out their houses, like as if we're not all already doing that already. That's it. And enough of the finger pointing and enough of the us and them. What's going on here? <laughs> I think we're finished, I Jane. think we are. I think that this podcast could turn into a whole thing about witches, which maybe we will do one day. But for now, though, Beck, I am excited by conscious science supporting spirituality. And I am excited by the fact that, ta-da, we have a website called, oh, my God, she's just peeked out the, the wave on that. That was very loud. Sorry, Beck. everyone, but it's so exciting. <laughs> if ever, If anyone's ever built a website, they know how much work goes into it. The website is built. It is done. It is lovelifeshow.com. And can I just say, we can't believe that we got that URL. How could no one in the planet of Earth since the history of the internet have taken lovelifeshow.com. There's a million, for those that don't know, there's actually already a million shows out there called Love Life Show, and we got lovelifeshow.com because the angels are looking after us. So if you want to have a look at it, go have a look at it, lovelifeshow.com. We could not believe that when that happened. That was absolutely bizarre. I'm thinking we're going to have to get the most obscure URL ever to try and communicate. I'm like, do we do Jane and Rebecca's episode half hour show? Do we do that whatever show? Jane, it's here. It's right here waiting for us to click. So please go and have a look at it. Or, as you, I know you've all been doing, stay on the Facebook page and keep communicating to us through there as well, direct message. And until this time next week, I want you guys to keep always questioning, always opening up your mind and your heart and following your own wisdom. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening.